1: You don't want it, you don't need it, but you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Lillard wanted to clear everything out. He's got Porter Jr. on him. Five left in the game. Lillard fading away. The three. He got it! Damian Lillard ties it up! Lillard trying to play the two-man game with Mellow, Trying to turn the corner. Jokic defense. Lillard gets it back from Mello. A deep three from Lillard. Finds the bottom of the web. Still down two possessions. Lillard trying to shake Rivers. A step back triple. Oh, Damian Lillard. And the Blazers have cut it to two. The miss for Morris. The Blazers have the ball. Down three. Lillard with the rock in hand. Harrison came in for this reason alone to defend Lillard. Lillard fading away. The three painted Damian Lillard ties it up again. I think it's really become a trend to totally exaggerate something in the immediate aftermath of watching it when it comes to sports in particular, but I I think that probably um, uh, goes further than just sports. I think people like to think, I witnessed it. I watched it. I stayed up and saw it. It's the greatest whatever that I've ever seen. So I'm not going to call Damian Lillard's performance last night the greatest playoff performance in NBA history. Um, But it was memorable, uh, and I did stay up to watch it, and uh, it was thrilling. And you did not have to be a basketball fan or an NBA fan to enjoy what Damian Lillard did last night. He provided one of, certainly in recent years, one of the more memorable performances Um, of the NBA playoffs. Uh, We have a very interesting show today. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball here to start, including the Wizards game tonight. They've got a game five tonight in Philadelphia. Joel Embiid is listed as doubtful for that game. Um, I am going to ask for something from a specific player, if Embiid doesn't play, uh, that to me... um, he's got to deliver on uh and we'll get to that in a few minutes and then a, a mystery man uh burgundy blog many of you follow burgundy blog on twitter um many of you perhaps have even listened to his podcast that he's had at times in recent years burgundy blog is a bit of a mystery um but for those of you that follow him on twitter um you know that he has Uh, a sharp opinion on the team, and he has carved out for himself, you know, sort of this piece of the community of people who have opinions and information on the team that end up being sort of a go-to for many of the fans um, and many people who are interested in the team. Burgundy Blog is going to join us on the podcast today. Um, I didn't mean to um, incent him the other day to come on the podcast by saying he was ducking me um, I said that very much tongue-placed-in-cheek. I know he's a busy guy, um, but he did he did uh, commit to being on the show today, so we will talk to him in a few minutes coming up, not only about him, um, but about the team as well. By the way, Chase Young, a no-show at OTAs again today, so that's five straight OTA days he's missed. Um, if Ron Rivera weighs in on anything, we will discuss that on tomorrow's show, because we recording it before. Uh, he speaks to the media today, which he is supposed to do. Want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. It doesn't cost you a thing. Um, it helps us. Also, if you haven't rated or reviewed the podcast, especially on Apple, that helps us a lot as well. Takes you two seconds to review it. Give us five stars, please, and um, to rate it uh, and to review it. If you can write one or two sentences about how much you like the show, that helps us as. Well, um by the way people have asked me um how's the podcast doing? It's doing well. It's doing very well. It's always done well and I I appreciate all of the support and all of you that listen to it. It um you know, you can tell by the advertising which look, I've put a limit on the number of ads that we're going to do on this show. We have a longer podcast than most have. Um, And so in the podcast uh, world, you have something called a pre-roll, which is the ad that ran before the show, and then you have what's called mid-rolls and post-rolls. And I put a limit on the amount of advertising that we would have. Um, but that limit is a little bit higher than some shows, but a lot of shows are only 30 minutes long or 40 minutes long. Some of you have suggested that you'd prefer a 45-minute show. Um, really, every day is different, and I watch the clock, but at the same time when we're involved in conversations with you know uh, each other or with Tommy or with Cooley or with another guest, um, I just try to have the best sense of of cutting it off when there's nothing left. Um, Anyway, we've got a guest today in Burgundy Blog. I'm looking forward to that. And again, um, rate us and review us. It really does uh, help um, uh, a lot. Uh, I want to start with last night, and then we'll talk about the Wizards. So, Damian Lillard last night scored 55 points in a playoff game. He had 10 assists in a playoff game. He had 12 three-pointers in a playoff game. He set the NBA record, becoming um, the first player in NBA history to have 12 three-pointers in an NBA playoff game. That eclipsed the mark set by Clay Thompson in 2016 when he had 11 in a game against Oklahoma City. Um, Terry Stotts, the NBA uh, Portland Trailblazers coach um, said it was the best playoff performance he's ever seen Um, and it was 12 of 17 it wasn't 12 of 30 it wasn't 12 of 24 he actually scored 55 points on 17 made field goals and 24 shot attempts which is remarkable. He set the NBA record for the most points and assists and threes in combination in an an NBA playoff game. But what was really amazing is how he did it and when he did it. This was a great basketball game that I just happened to have tuned into because I've mentioned that I, I love the NBA playoffs, and I think the NBA playoffs so far this year have been great um the, uh, the, the 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 Nets game was a blowout. They blew out and they ended the Celtics season. Uh, by the way, just as a quick aside, I think the Nets are gonna win the title. I don't want them to win the title. I just don't see how anybody beats those three players in four out of seven. And it's not just those three players. They've got great compliments as well on that team. I think Brooklyn's gonna win the, win the title. Uh, The Lakers were getting blown out early by the Suns. LeBron, by the way, looks old. I think he's on the downside, the beginning of the downside of his career. And Anthony Davis is soft, period. Uh, If he doesn't play in game six, uh, Barkley last night referred to him as street clothes. Um, Shaq has been torching him. Uh, you got to play in these games. Chris Paul's playing with a shoulder that he can barely lift. Um and he's playing in these games. I don't know. Look, if he ends up with a serious surgery, um, I retract everything I just said. Uh, but my sense of it is, is that you know, Anthony Davis is soft, and the Lakers are going to go out in this series to Phoenix, and LeBron can't carry a team like he used to be able to carry a team. Um, anyway, uh, that led to me paying attention to Portland and Denver, which was a terrific game in the second half. It was back and forth. Denver, by the way, had a 22-point first half lead, blew it. Portland came back, had a big lead, then Denver took the lead again. At the end of regulation, um, down three, uh, Damian Lillard hit a 28-4 uh, 28-foot step-back three to tie it with about three and a half seconds left. And that was the beginning of a stretch that was truly remarkable. Um, The game goes to the first overtime, and Denver is dominating the overtime period. And with just two minutes to go in the the first overtime, Denver's got a nine-point lead. And then Damian Lillard goes off. He's got a driving shot to the rim. He gets fouled. Three point play. It's 132 to 126. Jokic, who was terrific for Denver all night, makes a shot to push the lead back to eight with a minute 50 to go. On the other end, Lillard makes a 31 foot three pointer. It's 134 to 129. Then uh, Denver misses a shot. Lillard comes back and drains a 30-foot three. It's 134-132. to It's not over yet. It's just beginning. He has scored nine straight points to cut the gap to two. They foul. Monty Morris makes one of two, and Lillard comes down double-covered, the the whole team hedging in his direction, and he's able to drill a 28-foot three-pointer with six and a half seconds to go to tie the game. He scored 12 consecutive points over the final two minutes of the game to take a nine-point deficit and force a second overtime. The second overtime starts, and he knocks down a layup, a driving layup to give Portland the lead, and then banks in a 33-foot three-point shot to give them a 140 to 138 lead with three and a half minutes to go in the second overtime. He has scored 17 consecutive points after tying the game at the end of regulation with a three, from that 2.5, 2.12 mark of the second overtime through the first two minutes of the second overtime, uh, th- from the last 2.12 of the first overtime into the first two minutes of the second overtime, so roughly a four-minute period, he scores 17 consecutive points. And then he finally misses a shot after making eight in a row. And he misses a 30 foot three pointer that goes halfway down and comes back out in a 140 to 140 game. It was such an electrifying stretch of individual play with the game on the line, with his team down nine, scoring 17 consecutive points. I mean, these weren't just heat checks. These were clutch shots. This wasn't a regular season game where a guy gets it going. The, every possession, he had to make every single one of them. And then he finally misses one with three minutes to go in the second overtime. And then he never takes another shot the rest of the way. Denver scores the final seven points of overtime. Portland doesn't score again. And they lose the game in double overtime, 147-140. to 140. A classic. It was a game for the ages. It was a performance for the ages. I'm not going to put it up there with the greatest thing I've ever seen. Not yet. It's it's memorable. This is one of those games. My son came in to my room at the end of regulation. He was watching it in another room and we sat there and watched it together at one in the morning or whatever time it was with each three that he buried yelling, waking my wife who woke up and said, what in God's name are you guys doing? This is stupid. And then we sat there and watched him go silent over the final three minutes of the second overtime. Now, he said that he was trying to make the right plays, that the defense was crowding him, and he made the right plays in that he made passes to people who were open as he was being double-teamed, and his teammates didn't deliver. C.J. McCollum, their second-best player, was incredibly disappointing with the game on the line. Um, But that's not good enough. Lillard was making shots after being double teamed during that entire stretch. He had missed his first shot. He wasn't tired. He hadn't missed three or four in a row. He had missed one in a row from 32 feet. He had taken those shots that he made in the first overtime and early in the second overtime, double teamed, crowded, and he had just been patient and he had figured it out. And he didn't try to figure it out for the final three minutes of the second overtime. I was dumbfounded. I can't believe even here this morning that I watched what I watched, and then with the game on the line with three minutes to go in the second overtime after he had single-handedly carried his team into this position, that he went silent the rest of the way and didn't take one shot the rest of the way. Did he make some good passes to open players who missed shots? Absolutely. Absolutely. Did his teammates absolutely disappoint him and fail him And what he had provided and given them the opportunity for? They did. I just don't know why he trusted in them so much. Maybe you trust in them for a possession or two. But when they miss a dunk and they miss a wide-open three, it's time to go back to doing what you were doing before, which was so incredibly electrifying and thrilling to watch to watch him be patient to watch him you know shrug off the double team to get to a spot where he could hit a a step back long range three he was on fire he should have ended with 60 plus in a game that either continued or they lost by a point or won by a point he went silent down the stretch I don't understand it um it really was, for those of you that don't care but are sports fans, It was it's worth going and watching the highlights of what he did last night. It was really, really spectacular. Uh, the Wizards play tonight, um, and Joel Embiid is doubtful. Uh, now, my producer, Brendan, on the radio show this morning, said that Embiid has been listed as doubtful and is on a lot of injury reports and has been during the regular season. And he remembered at least twice that he was listed as doubtful and he played and in one of those games played very well. Um, If he doesn't play tonight, then Bradley Beal needs to force game six by himself. I'm not saying without help. I mean, You know, Westbrook's questionable, but he'll play. I mean, he's a warrior. He'll be out there. Chimura's got to have another really good game. Uh, They've got to get good performances from the three centers. Um, It'd be really nice if they continue to get good performances from guys like Ish Smith. neto has got to step up and knock down some threes off the doubles. No Bertans. He's out four to six weeks. But tonight, to me, is Bradley Beal's night. If Joel Embiid plays, the series is over. They're, not, they're nowhere near good enough. No matter what Beal does, they're not good enough to beat the 76ers if Joel Embiid is healthy and plays. If he isn't healthy and plays, or if he doesn't play at all, Bradley Beal has to have the game. He hasn't had it in the in this postseason yet. He's had some really good scoring games against a very good defensive team. He had a really good half in game two where he had 24, but they got blown out. You know, he has not played consistent defensively. He's looked at times not totally invested defensively. He's been a turnover machine at times, including in the game the other night where he had seven, could have had nine or ten. Um, He has not shot the three well at all. He's 5 of 25 in this series. He was three for his first 20 in the first three games. This is tonight for me a game in which Bradley Beal, who I think deserves to be on the third team all-NBA team this year, I think he's become an elite scorer in the league, but he's got to take the next step tonight. He's got to go out like all of the great players do in the game. If he wants to be considered one of those, which he isn't right now, he's not a top 10 player in the league, but if he wants to make his way in that direction, tonight's a night that he goes out and he scores 40 plus and his turnovers are three or less and he makes three to five three-pointers, he's five for 11 from behind the arc, not one for eight, um, he shoots in the forty-five percent plus. He defends his ass off. Has a couple of block shots, a couple of steals. You know, has several assists when the doubles come, but he doesn't let his team lose. You know, Beal has had some of those games in the postseason. He's had. Some big-time games. He's the one in Game 7 against Boston a few years ago that had the big game. Went for 39, I think, in that game when Wall went silent. In Game 6, the one where Wall had the three-pointer to beat Boston to force Game 7, Beal was incredible in in that game. Uh, I forget the exact point total, but, but it was north of, of 30. The 38 or 39-point Game 7... He was the reason they had a chance to win that game, even though they didn't win it. He's done it before in the postseason as a much younger player, and and a player that was not nearly um, as um, you know uh, not not nearly the lofty stature that he has now as one of the game's elite scorers. Tonight is a Beal game for them. If Embiid doesn't play, Bradley Beal's got to force game six. He can't go... You know, one for, for nine from behind the arc, have seven turnovers, defend occasionally, end up with 30 points, but not do enough t- to win the game against a bunch of players that are just okay and aren't at his level. Embiid's the best player in this series. Simmons might be the second best player in this series, but Beal tonight should be the best player in the game if Embiid's not in it my prediction on this game is that if B, if Embiid doesn't play beal has a big game and the wizards win and force game six if mb does play the sixers win big if he's healthy when we come back burgundy blog will be our guest right after these words from our sponsors
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search
1: Well, this is actually going to be um, a pleasure for me and actually very interesting for me because Burgundy Blog, Brent from Burgundy Blog, and that's basically all we know with respect to his name, has been one of these people that um, I have communicated with. We've communicated with each other for several years, right? At least three or four years um, by message, by direct message. This is my very first first conversation with you, which we just determined before um, we started to record this uh, segment of the podcast. but burgundy blog um, for those of you who don't know, has become you know one of the noted opinion makers, voices on the Washington football team. You can follow him at burgundy blog on Twitter. Um, he's had a podcast in the past and so what I want to do with you is I actually want to split this up into two, portions I want to find out a little bit more about you because I think some fans um maybe they do maybe they don't but I've always found you to be somewhat mysterious and you laughed at that the (laughs) other day when I said it on the air and then I think we can get into the team a little bit and by the way the latest development in terms of OTAs today is Chase Young's not there again so that will be one of the things we'll get into as well as many other things related to the team but I want to just start by asking you who the hell
2: are you (laughs) well good morning kevin thank you for having me on your show long time first time um i've asked I'm you i've asked dude. you
1: before this isn't the first time i've asked you and i know you have right. a very busy real life and i think you know yeah and i and i totally i totally get that but i'm glad that you were finally able to do the show but go ahead so who <laughs> are you tell everybody invitation. who you are
2: i'm just a guy i'm a fan long time fan since i was a kid of the redskins now washington football team and um Uh, you know, uh, uh, somewhere along the line, I just got into it enough that I felt like I wanted to write about it initially as like a blog, um, you know, Burgundy blog was, was a, a website, in fact, a Tumblr before anything else. And, um, I, I always, you know, by, by the time I got into early adulthood, I was just following really, really closely. I felt like I knew, um, I was pretty up to, up to speed on goings on with the team and had some longitudinal reference Um, and, you know, wanted to have conversations about the Redskins, uh, with, with, uh, like-minded fans and built up my blog a little built up a Twitter, which, which has some following now, and then did a podcast for a few years and maybe someday that'll come back, but I'm just a guy. I have a, I'm 40 years old. I'm a, I'm a 40 year old dad of three kids have a busy professional life. And, um, you know, in fact, my family is, as as you, I'm sure, can relate to, uh, uh, fairly close to all consuming. So I don't have a ton of time for hobbies, but uh, Washington football is is one of one of my main ones. It's just sort of a passion slash fasc- fascination. So I like to talk about it and and tweet about them. Where do you live? Central Virginia.
1: Oh, you live in Central Virginia. Okay. Yeah, and- I
2: was. Um, I grew up. I, I finished high school in Northern Virginia in Loudon, and then. Um, Went to UVA and did some training there, and then um, and then in North Carolina, and now I live back in the middle of Virginia.
1: All right, and you don't have to answer this question, but for whatever reason over the years, I have surmised that you're a doctor.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I'm a doctor.
1: I don't know. I, I there must have been just a series of clues in various correspondence with you over the years that led me to to, to believe that. By the way, um, how is your family with your hobby? Does your fa- do your do your family and close friends? Know who you are and know what your hobby is.
2: So, uh, all seriousness, only a few of, I mean, my closest friends all know that I do it and they kind of joke about it. My sort of second level friends and peripheral acquaintances, none of them know. In fact, I go to some length to hide from them that I have this alter ego. And then, um, you know professionally it would everybody's oblivious
1: so so professionally everybody's oblivious and I think you want to keep it that way and I understand that to a certain degree although yeah whatever I mean like we have you know like Neil in Rockville is an attorney at the Montgomery County Courthouse you know he calls into these shows all day long and I'm always <laughs> like Neil, do you think that's really in your best interest you know <laughs> Cowboy Clay who's been a big fan of all the shows on the station over the years he's got a very successful financial services business and there he is in the middle of the day instead of watching people's money he's calling into to radio shows so I do sort of understand that but you did say that s- some of your friends do know what your hobby is and they sort of laugh or scoff at it why do you think
2: that is uh, I mean not do, so much do you have eyebrow I mean, friends yeah, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's, it's looked down upon, you know, I think it's a, it's kind of a novelty for some, um, you know, and then a few, a few of my friends actually follow me on Twitter, but it's a little awkward to, to have, you know, a, a, like a real life relationship with somebody, especially a close one. And then, you know, the person that I am on Burgundy blog, it's not, it's not um, fake or, or disingenuous, but it's also not exactly like me. I mean, I, at times I kind of play a character and um, you know, depending on my mood, Uh, you know, what you read in my tweets isn't necessarily how I am in real life. And so it's sometimes hard, I think, for people to reconcile, which I think is why I just kind of want them to be separate identities. Does your wife know that you have this alter ego? Yeah, she does and I mean she only cares about it when I'm on when I'm so glued to the phone uh you know at you know during the draft and free agency that it's intrusive, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly right. mostly she considers it a nuisance and she's certainly not a huge football fan, but uh, I I really only, you know, clue her in on the the biggest of news.
1: Have you been able to turn this hobby into a revenue generating hobby because that's what my wife wanted to know right from the beginning because this was not my first career, it was very much a second right. professional career and all my wife wanted to know is well is there a revenue gener is generating revenue through this this thing that you love to do um a possibility so have you right. been able to generate revenue from it
2: so a couple of times over the course of actually now 11 years, cause I, I started Burgundy blog in 2010. I mean, there have been a, a few brief periods where I made like a couple bucks for doing an ad on a podcast, but never more than okay. like literally a few bucks. And that was never my intention. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I suppose I, I, there have been some opportunities for, um, you know, affiliations where I've, I've kind of thought about it, but I, I also like, I'm, I'm very fiercely protective of being able to, say only exactly what I want and what I think. And then if, if I if I should ever bring the podcast back, I really don't want it to be overcome with ads. Um, and so and I just don't, you know, I would rather it just be my hobby, I think, than than yeah, sure. uh, than than feel compelled to comply with any rules. So I don't know, maybe at some point there will be another, you know, little little sponsorship or something. But it's not it's certainly not a, a primary goal.
1: So I um, you know, having been sort of doing this now for 17 years, 18 years, actually. Um, you know, I, I sort of understand what this football team means and the passionate fan base that it has and the opportunities that it creates if you can sort of carve out a niche as a voice or an opinion maker on the team. And I would ask you as somebody who, you know, you you, you have not worked in media before, right? Correct. Yeah. Have you ever worked for a team? No. Okay, so why do you think in a very crowded it it is a crowded thing you know when it comes to teams that have large passionate fan bases no matter how much this one's dwindled it's still very large and by the way it's it's a national fan base i mean one of the things you know any of us that have done podcasts have learned and we learned it from radio is that you know more fans of this team live outside um the DMV than live in it um how have you without a larger platform, been able to carve out what you've been able to carve out?
2: Um, uh, Well, I would say, first of all, you might be overstating my influence by a touch. But, you know, I think the main recipe was that I got onto Twitter, like I said, in 2010. I mean, it was still uh, sparsely populated at the time in in the sports talk and opinion and commenting universe relatively. So it's been a decade literally of me, you know, building, you know, pe- people telling a friend or two that, Hey, you should follow this random guy, you know? So that's, that's a huge part of it. It's just time. But, um, uh, you know, I don't know. I think I, I consider myself fairly able to formulate a, uh, a cogent thought, and i think sometimes you know, my my style of uh describing the team it just resonates so there's there's you know something to that probably and um but you know also you may or may not be aware that there is a sizable online community that is um not not friendly to burgundy blog i've made a few enemies along the way by well, we all having have. a fairly fairly low tolerance for um you know basically wasting of my time or profanity or you know disrespectfulness so um i I don't know i've just tried to be myself in a way i mean i know that contradicts what i said earlier but basically say what i think not not try to not try to just always agree not not be constantly hot taking but also you know I, i literally i have nothing and especially my anonymity helps protect this ability but i can just literally say whatever i want and unlike you know you guys and people who are close to the team and potentially interviewing players and trying, trying um, rightfully so uh, hard to get access. I, I have no responsibility really to be kind in, in my um, just, you know, observations. And, you know, I try to try to be generally like a, a nice guy about things, but I can say what I think. And that helps a lot. I don't have to um, pussyfoot around country controversial topics. And I think fans like to be able to hear that because there are things that, that you guys in the real uh, professional media probably won't want to say at times and can't, but I can.
1: Um, we're talking to Brent from Burgundy blog on the podcast today. See, I, I think, um, I mean, I can only speak uh, to how I became aware of you. I think you've broken stories in the past. And for some of us, that's not really our job, even though we do it every once in a while. But you didn't have that platform of just talking about the team. And I I have this sense that my... My first sort of introduction to following you on Twitter, however many years ago that was, and then sort of the you know the the private messaging relationship that we've had over several years came from you breaking stories and in, in not necessarily in a definitive way, but in sort of the way you did it last week with the Jay Z thing, which we'll get to here in a moment, but. You have broken stories over the years, uh, which has always told me that you've had some pretty good sources.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, probably no more than once a year or so, I I catch a hold of a piece of information that's that's useful and gets some traction. And yeah, so like when Jay Gruden was hired, um, I knew about that a couple of days actually in advance because literally somebody who follows me on Twitter was the friend of Jay's uh, son's youth basketball coach, you know, so it was just out there. And like many of the things I've had have been through previously complete strangers who, who follow me and just tip me off to stuff. And so then, you know, obviously that, that could be dangerous, but you use some intuition and reason and some thorough vetting of somebody's story. And occasionally, something just checks out. And if I feel about 98% sure I'm hearing something true and new, then, then I can, I can go with that. And I've had bad, you know, one of the other things was that I, I was one of the first people I think to know, or, or be clued into the fact that Alex Smith's rehab was not going well at all. And then, um, you know, I, I had something about that and it kind of blew up and I think <laughs> rapaport Rappaport was forced to, uh, begrudgingly cite me, in fact. Oh, God, so, yeah. um, I have a, a, a close, uh, contact who is um, is an NFL agent, which gets me into some stuff. I've had some contract things. So, but you know, it's, it's just every now and the, now and again, and I don't have like a single, you know, I don't have a mole in the organization, but when, when you have, um, you know, enough, enough people who, you know, check in on what you're saying and who kind of buy into this sort of community aspect and just want to share. I mean, a lot of people, like the guy who had the Jay-Z thing was like, you, I, I need you not to say who I am, but here's what I know. And here's how you can know that I know it. And, um, you know, there it is. Then, then I just put it out there and sometimes it blows up.
1: All right. Um, you know, one of the things, and I mentioned this to you before, just to confirm that it that I, my memory of it was correct, is that you are, you're a fan, you're a lifelong fan. Like I am, I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm a lifelong fan as well. And so being able to talk about it in the, in the sort of platforms that I've had over the years has actually been a lot of fun. And I think, You've had a lot of fun with the hobby as well. However, you, um, you checked out like a, a year or a year and a half ago. Like it had gotten yeah. to the point for you – where you had had enough and you checked out. What, what what drove you to that? And look, you're not employed by anybody. This isn't generating a living for you. So right. it's a hobby. So everybody can decide that they don't enjoy their hobbies anymore and move on to another one. Um, but yeah. what happened? When was that? And, and what was it that sort of precipitated it?
2: So I've done it twice for for six months or more over the the course of these ten or eleven years, and it's because the team is maddening I mean for all the reasons that you and everyone listening already knows i mean until just recently when they've developed some semblance of professionalism uh, obviously it, it was never you know my alienating me was literally and i I mean this honestly never because they were just bad but but for so long the Redskins and now washington football were not just bad but but really loathsome detestable from from the top down and um you know uh, there have been a couple of times where i've decided listen as as much as i like doing this and even on those like those breaks or hiatuses I never actually stopped following. I just they were kind of like boycotts, I guess. And and yeah, the most recent time I thought for a while it might might really be the end of, of Burgundy Blog, um, because I just grew to so despise not only Dan Snyder but just this 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 toxic culture that has increasingly been exposed over the last few months. You know, knowing hearing what's out there and hearing other things about. Um, how, how bad it was with people in charge and, um, really almost just like hating myself for liking them, you know, and there were times where I just had to turn it off. And so, um, honestly, the most recent time when, when I was, I was out for like, I don't know, almost a year, um, and didn't come back until sometime during last season. Um, the, the final straw, I think was, there was a a period of, of two or three days over which, um first uh actually i can't remember the order but the you know the, the first big post story came out about right the women accusing um the 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 people there of of so much mis- misconduct and then the name it was like really they were close together the name officially um got changed and and it was never i mean it wasn't exactly like one of these people was like well if they're not the redskins they're dead to me but um to be honest it bothered me a lot more than i think it bothers some um And, uh, it was sort of a final straw deal, or at least temporarily a final straw for me. And so when, when that stuff was going on, I was so just kind of disgusted with the organization. And even though there were, there were starting already to be reasons for hope, I mean, Rivera was on board and it was like, you know, there were some things to latch onto, but I just became so frustrated. I called it quits, but then over the course of the year. Um, and then I've been, of course, of course, um, you know, accused of bandwagoning because I, I, I kind of. Cracked and and came back, Um, but you know, and it was it was towards the end when they had started to get a few wins it certainly wasn't because suddenly I thought they were good and going to the Super Bowl, And now I wanted to be back in. I mean, I've been through in my life 30 years of them being just putrid. So like, I don't, it's, it wasn't bad, but they, they have, I think, you know, legitimately become likable. They have so many good likable players. They've got likable staff. Now there's, there's just a lot to get behind. And I, 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 I I came to a point where I was no longer just like, you know, I, I, I could, I could actually bring myself to be associated with them again.
1: Yeah, I think um I think your reaction and the way you just described it um is the way that a lot of uh fans have felt and a lot of them have checked out but checked back in occasionally. I can tell you I know for a fact that this is you know the biggest concern um uh for the team for in it's a big challenge for Jason Wright and and that is how do they get back that fan and in many cases it was a more discerning fan um because we both know and I've talked about this a lot over the years there is a small percentage of the fan base that will never ever give up this team and they'll continue to spend their money and they'll continue to spend much of their disposable income on the team and never think um, that the team is doing wrong, but that's a very small percentage. And then there's a percentage of people that are going to continue to go because they love doing it. They love the NFL, but what they've lost if they, they've lost the more discerning fan, the one that was not just disgusted with the results, but disgusted with the behavior. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and that, and that's what they have to get back it's always been my contention and i think in many ways you're proof of it is that the more discerning and i would say maybe the more um i think maybe the, the more intellectually uh oriented fan um i do think is back in with better behavior but more importantly winning um yeah. and and we you know look i'm not nearly as passionate as i once was i've i've admitted right. that i'm i'm not and yet i I'm, I'm encouraged and intrigued by the current, you know, situation, but it sort of leads into where I was going to go with you next. And you sort of started that conversation and that is the overall macro right now. And that is, you know, is this the time? Is this the group? Is Ron Rivera, you know, and his group, are they going to be the ones that change this two deck,
2: you know, this two decade nightmare? Well, I, you know, they could. I mean, it's a good start. Right. But I think people, more people should realize more completely that it is still at the start. I mean, it is this, I would say is how, how, how can we not say that Rivera is still in to a degree, a honeymoon period with Snyder. Now he's, he's in theory Snyder. I mean, flushed out a lot of the problems, you know, there's no longer a Vinny and there's no longer a Bruce and a lot of the people that were, um, you know, deviants, I guess are gone. Um, and Rivera has a ton of credibility and he's been to a super bowl. And so, so yeah, there's every reason to think that it'd be, am I like, am I like way in? Am I, am I really confident that, that he's going to bring them back to, sustained, uh, you know, be, being a top team for years in a row? I mean, not yet. I just think that's, uh, you know, that there's, that, that takes a little too much recency bias And so we've been around for a long time to know that many different types of strategies from Spurrier to Gibbs have failed and um, it's still, if you're, you know, if I'm being honest, I think more likely than not that this will not work. But there's enough reason to think that it could that for someone like me, who's curious and, and, and like you, I mean, I, I agree. emotionally I'm much less invested. I wouldn't say passion is even still the right word but I'm, I'm as curious as ever i do just continue to have a fascination with the team with with the league and the sport and how to build a team and what it takes to build a good team and so i'm i'm in you know my head is way in my heart is not yet all the way back in but there's enough there for for me to care again and uh and watch as closely as i have been I, I think it could work i like what we've seen from jason wright a lot of people don't care about the business side of the building but i do think it matters i think the whole thing matters i think the whole feel and their identity and taking themselves seriously and just being grown-ups over there matters quite a lot and um, there's a base w- with that they can build from and it and it could work but it's going to take, take some time and in a football sense I think in the short term on average I mean I hate to be a wet blanket but I, I think that people at least on Twitter are getting a little ahead of themselves with, with we've, you know, they've turned the corner and the time is now and the window is open. I mean, I think they overshot a little bit last year. I think they, they could be just as good or even a touch better this year than they were last year. And, 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 and maybe it won't show up in the record. Um, and I think Rivera is still like aiming all resources for peaking, uh, another two or three years from now. And I think that's smart. So, and, and it may not work, but, um, It could. I mean, I definitely believe that it could.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I think um, that I have this sense and it's more of a recent sense and it has to do with sort of direct experience with my own boys who are teenagers and older now and all of their friends. And I think younger people are buying into this new regime. And I would say it's way premature, as you would say, the same thing. I think right now what you have is, and what I sense, is that there's a lot of excitement, um, but I think it's it's being generated by young people, which, by the way, would be a good thing for the team if they can follow through on it, if they, yeah. don't, uh, if they don't let them down the way they let us down over and over again. But my bet still would be if somebody held a gun to my head and said, you have to wager on whether or not this – this is the turning point. If Rivera ends up being the turning point on a total change of direction for the organization from, you know, a, t- a two-decade-plus train wreck into a sustained winner, I would bet against it because right. I, I think that, you know, I'm not a believer in Dan Snyder, and I'm a big believer in all of these things, especially at the prof- in professional sports and in business. It starts at the top, and they have... Yeah they have they have bad at the top um they they have arrogance at the top they have not very bright at the top um and they've got you know totally self uh consumed um at the top and i, I just don't know that that will ultimately work out however like you i'm intrigued like yeah. i because i liked rivera when the hire was made i thought yeah, they I, I remember their you
2: being i remember you being really really with it from the very start and uh were you, you know, i, I can't remember he, did you like well, the, the hire um, or not I was, I was, um, kind of lukewarm on it. I mean, just, I I felt like it wasn't sexy, but, um, you know, I guess I knew. And in hindsight, it's definitely true that the sexy is probably not what they needed anyway. Um, I, I was, I was fine with it. I wasn't, you know, doing cartwheels. And I think he's probably exceeded my expectations in his first year. Yeah, it's still very early
1: though. Um, Yeah, totally. These aren't even primary returns uh, that are coming in. Um, Exactly. Real quickly before we get to more football-oriented stuff. What do you think is going on? I had Liz Clark on the show this morning uh, on the radio show, and I would urge everybody to listen to that interview. Liz, was to, we, I had her on really to talk about the Naomi Osaka um, situation. Liz has been a longtime tennis um, reporter. Um, but we ended up talking about, you know, what's going on with the Washington football team. Um, and she relayed some stuff that I think, you know, I, I've shared on the podcast before and have talked with Tommy about before. Um, that there's some legal wrangling right now with the team trying to prevent some of the information that may be in the Wilkinson report from um, actually coming out. Um, what are you yeah. hearing, and what do you think, uh, or where do you think this is going?
2: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I had a, I wish I had a really good nugget for you there. Um, I knew. I, I mean, take this for what it's worth, and many people will be skeptical, but um, almost two years ago. Uh, an anonymous person on Twitter um, engaged me uh, privately and um, told me that there was an incident um, and there had been a lawsuit and a, a settlement. And um, he he forecast uh, exactly what we've heard about um, this thing on the airplane coming back from the concert. Right. And he told me who it was. And I, I mean, I actually know the person's name, which of course I would not divulge. But the... Um, <laughs> Having heard that then and not really saying much about it, I've I've known, or at least I still feel confident that there is there have been things that have happened in the past. There is information to potentially be learned by someone in Beth Wilkinson's position that could really, really actually be a legitimate bombshell and change the game. And um, I think the question is, will she find it? Will she be allowed to access it? Um and i don't know the answers to that i mean i kind of i mean as badly as anyone i want dan snyder to no longer be the owner i don't necessarily wish ill on the man but um i'd love for there to be a reason for him to get gone but i don't know if it's going to come out i have this kind of like nagging worry that the uh, wilkinson report is either going to be a dud or just be kind of um dismissed uh and that not a ton is going to come of it uh, but that's just a gut
1: do you think that the league waiving the debt limit, allowing him to buy out his minority shareholders, Fred Smith, Bob Rothman, Dwight Shar, was um, and was was a sort of an endorsement of him continuing as the owner. Uh, for, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. moving forward. I, 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 I think so too, but I, I do wonder... I mean,
2: I'm, I'm no expert on those things, but that's how it struck me. But, I mean, I, I guess I could be...
1: But do you believe that the quid pro quo on that was to bring in new minority investors and right. actual minorities as investors, as, as minority shareholders?
2: I would have to think that as tenuous as his, you know, grip on the team was or at least appeared to be publicly given how bad they've been and now how much controversy follows him that you know there would ha- there you know that the the league would would have been holding some leverage against him and to do him what looked like such a big favor in waving it and facilitating this whole thing um you know, it sure seems like there should be some tit for that tat. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's you gotta, you gotta then take on whichever minority owner we say, or there has to be a certain type of person. It feels like he probably owes the league something for that to have you know gone as apparently smoothly as it did but uh, you know I'm not sure what
1: so you tweeted out last week nothing imminent these things take months and sometimes break down but I have it on good authority that Jay-Z is actively divesting assets to position himself for purchase of stake in Washington football team um so do you believe that Jay-Z is going to be a minority shareholder in the team
2: yeah, I believe that that I, I still believe in what I what I tweeted there. I mean, I believe that it's at least a high possibility, or that he's trying. And I will I will say this for context: uh, the person who told me that is um, like not a not a close like friend or acquaintance of mine, nor of Jay Z's. But it's it is a financial type person. Who is, you know, um, associated with somebody who's involved in some of that action that I referenced? And that person told me um, almost two years ago, also that the team that a I'm trying to remember how he phrased it to me at the time because frankly I didn't believe it and I didn't go with it. But he said that the team was for sale. He said that the types of bankers who handle sales of teams have been engaged on the Redskins and things are happening. And, you know, I, I I honestly, he thought this person thought at the time that it meant Dan was selling and I, you know, that's what he was communicating to me and I didn't believe it. And I never really said anything about it, but what he, what he knew or almost knew was that the, you know, it was, it was the, the Shar group. It was the minority owners at the time. Their, their stuff was on the table and that was really real and really happening. And that was not being discussed at the time when this person told me that that was moving. And then, um, out of the blue unsolicited this, the same guy last week said, Hey, remember me, here's what's going on. I know that Jay-Z is angling for this. And so I'm pretty confident that that's, that's real. I mean, I don't, I know there's stuff with how he owned the nets and then he had to get out or a part of, you know, small part of the nets, I guess, and had to get out because of rock nation. So I, I I can't answer the, the problem with, with those, I I think he can't have those uh, conflicts of interest, I guess. And then I don't, I I just, I don't know how to, what to say about that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is at least a very real possibility.
1: Yeah. By the way, you just mentioned something and I think I've mentioned this before, but for those that um, are wondering the the um the fractured relationship between Snyder and his minority share- shareholders happened long before George mm-hmm. Floyd you know right. uh the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis it happened long before the pressure to change the name um Fred Smith didn't want any part of Dan Snyder for a long period of time uh the other two didn't much care for him either and and that would be the one thing in I've known that Rock Nation's been working with the team for a while now, and and discussed it over a year ago. I just would, I I just can't imagine somebody of Jay Z's stature, no matter how badly people want to get into the NFL, that he would get into a team with Dan Snyder with no voting stock. That just that that would be the one thing. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I totally get that. And you know what? Like maybe, maybe, maybe I'm a little off and it's actually no, not, I, it's not an ownership thing, but, but he, what, what he's trying to accomplish is becoming more, more, somehow more closely and, and officially, um, affiliated. I'm not, I mean, I'm not really sure this isn't, this isn't what I do. I mean, I'm a frigging doctor, you know, but like, um, it doesn't I matter. Do I'm, think... a, I'm
1: a sports talk host. We can, we, by right. the way, the <laughs> best part about
2: what I do and, and,
1: and to a much greater extent, what you do, um, we, we can speculate all you want. This yeah. is all about speculation. We're, right. we're not right. going to be you. held yeah. to this. I mean, <laughs> isn't it beautiful? <laughs> but, but you know, what's really interesting is just how influential Rock Nation and Jay-Z's group has been, you know, with this team yes. over the year. They were very important yeah. in the hiring of Jason Wright. Um, of the CFO they've been involved in the new name um, they've been vol- they've been very much involved in media relations where you know and I mentioned this last week they have really but not that that Snyder needed any prodding on this end but to steer clear of you know uh, discussing anything with the post and driving right. all of their 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 information to the New York Times and um, there's been a lot of that going on anyway let, let's get to the team um, and let's sure. do that right after this word from two of our sponsors brent from burgundy blog uh, is joining me Um, you can follow him if you're not already but my sense is that many of you are at burgundy blog on twitter Um, Brent's a very opinionated um, but very I think sharp um, opinionated uh, voice um, on the team over the years and he's got information too every once in a while as well. Let's talk about the team. First of all, um, the immediacy of OTAs and the player that's missed now. The first five of them, Chase Young. Uh, Montez Sweat was back yesterday. I don't know if he was back today, but Chase Young, according to all the reporters, um, has missed another OTA day and his preference is to work out off um, offsite uh, in his own way rather than being available for the team and these OTAs. Big deal or not a big deal?
2: So this is like such a great like uh blog and, and sports radio topic, right? Because it's, it's so subjective and unquantifiable and it's like a Rorschach. Does this matter? And, um, you know, I, I was, I've been chuckling about it the last few days or since last week, since he initially no-showed. And I think I'm, I'm realizing that it's like, You know, depending on what type of fan you are, there's like the totally casual fans who only like check the check the scores, and they like have literally never even heard of of OTA and don't know what it means, and so they don't care at all. Then there's like the next level fan. Who's on Twitter and and they're they're like uh, they they know what it is and they're into team building and they're like okay oh this is this is a little bit of a bummer Chase Young isn't there that's potentially a problem then there's like this this next level deeper tough guy fan that's like oh I know exactly what an OTA, OTA is and boy I'm I'm positive they don't matter at all this is a nothing burger who cares. And then I I think Kevin, I'm sorry, I'm going next level. I think I'm an even deeper fan than that. I care a little bit. I think it matters a little. I don't think that this that these OTAs would even happen if they were utterly useless. Some some stuff has got to be going on there that matters. It's the, you know, the team, the players are building familiarity with each other you know, how they, how, you know, I know they're not in pads. They're not crushing each other, but they're learning how guys like to communicate. They're learning what their coaches want. They're learning stupid stuff, like how to do drills. And, you know, I think it matters a little. And so chase young, look, is his absence in, you know, even if he misses all this off season stuff, is he going to be a worse player next year? Like no way, there's no way. I'm sure he's working out hard. I'm sure he's staying in shape. I don't care one bit about his absence in terms of his own ability to like bring it in the 2021 season. But I, the way I look at it, I guess is could the team overall potentially benefit from his presence? I think, yeah, easily. Sure. Like they could, they could be building a little camaraderie and there's some bonding happening and he could lead by example in terms of, Hey, like I've been here. I know the ropes a little, this is how we do it in the weight room, et cetera. Is the team potentially any better at all from him not being there? I don't see how, I really don't. I don't I mean, I don't think so. So uh, I I think that his presence could help. Maybe wouldn't be a a big needle mover, but it could help. His absence isn't helping anybody. Um, And I I just I guess my takeaway is like, does it does it make me like dislike Chase Young now? No way. I mean, I'm still super glad that they have him. But, um, you know, a big thing with his his reputation lately is that he's not just a truly excellent player, right? but he also has come to be known as this, like having preternatural leadership abilities. And he got a captaincy before he was even done with his rookie year. And he was supposed to be level 100 leadership. And I just don't see how you could still say that. I'm not going to continue to say that. Uh, He he may still even be a good and a valuable leader, and he may be a viable captain, but he's no longer an A-plus leader for me anymore. If he was, he would be there, period.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think that the first point you made as you were going through, you know, sort of the level of, of response, I, I don't know how to quantify, you know, what it means in terms of overall record or overall performance. He's such a talent. He's so great. If he didn't have the C on his chest midway through last year, if he didn't sort of um You know, if he wasn't a vocal leader and you know this agent of change and this leader uh, behind this cultural revolution for this football team, um, self anointed in many ways, but also by teammates, I think I I would feel less uh, 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 passionate about it. I, 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 Doc, to me, you know, Doc Walker's been a close friend of mine for years, and, and Doc's been you know, a professional paid for motivational speaker on, on leadership. And, you know, he, he sent me two texts last week and I, I, I read them on the show on Friday, but he said a captain never needs to be told how and when to lead essentially, right. you know, reflecting this, you know, voluntary versus mandatory. No, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's all mandatory when you're a leader and you're your coach, you know, wants you to be there and is trying to create this new culture. And then, you know, he said a true leader never puts himself in a position to be questioned. And he did, even if it's by a, a right. few number of people. Um, y- y- I-, I think, I-, I don't think it'll impact his play at all. I think he's in an outrageous talent. And I, you know, I'm he's, he was one of my favorite players, if not my favorite player. And I have, I have a lot of optimism on what he's going to be, but, he should have been there. I mean, it, yeah. at the very least, there's no way that if Ron Rivera was forced to answer the question, would you per- prefer him to be here or not be here? His answer, in if he was being truthful, wouldn't be, I don't really care one way or the other. The answer of would course be, not. I would prefer him to be here. Definitely. Period
2: otherwise what are we doing otherwise why aren't they all at home on the beach
1: nikki nikki javala was on with me on the radio show last week and she said there's really definitely an understanding among the among the 86 people here that these aren't voluntary that the coach is trying to change the culture and they understand that you know he can't say it but he he deems them to be mandatory
2: you know so um yeah he should be there period i mean there's an elephant in the room like what the hell? Like, why, why is anyone? I mean, it's I don't. Let's recu- recklessly speculate. I mean, I'm, I'm not literally. I don't have an actual reason. But like, if this really ultimately all shakes out down the line, and we find out that just like, yeah, he just kind of decided not to because he preferred working out at home, that's like that's going to make no sense to me at all. He's got to be sending a message. Is his agent telling him, hey, don't let them start to think that they own you? Like, maybe he maybe he's being told like you need to push back a little. You don't want to just be. You, you don't want to be seen as like handleable. I don't, I don't know, but I, I, it could work both ways. Cause like, I mean, I think when it comes contract time and he's going to obviously destroy every, every defensive player's contract in history, whenever that comes up or provided health. But like, to, to me, I'd rather have the feather in my cap that, Hey, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I tow the party line and I'm, I'm always here for coach rather than like, Hey, I'm a little bit unpredictable. You don't quite own me, you know? Um, I just don't get it. I don't know what the reason would be.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, to, to sort of put it in terms of like the way a lot of us conduct our own lives, like if you're in a company and the boss says, look, I'm having this get together. We've got a n- couple of new people and I want, you know, them to come over and I want a you know, a nice social gathering, you know, away from the office. It's not a direct apples to apples. If you can make it great. And if you can't, it's, it, it's no worries like right. you're going to make it like most if you're conscientious of you. Yeah. And
2: professional of course. And so go. and let alone if you're like a, you know supposedly this legendary prodigy leader.
1: Yeah. Um it's strange that he's not there. Maybe he'll show up tomorrow and maybe he'll have an answer for it. Um but so far the reporting has been he's just preferred to do his training, you know, off-site uh and yeah. not with his teammates. Um again uh, it's hard to quantify what the uh, what this the actual is, on know, field is but i think your leadership point
2: there's this point, thing now and yeah. this is probably like okay boomer but um, there's just this thing on twitter and it's partly because everyone most people on twitter are young is that things that are permissible like or allowable or legal Are like somehow advisable, Uh, right? Automatically, and it's the logic is so flawed. It's like, yeah, I understand it's voluntary. He's allowed to not be there, (laughs) so yeah, you can give me a hard time for like criticizing the guy, like his dad. But like, just because he's allowed to not go doesn't mean he shouldn't go. Yeah, I mean, mean, what are we missing for for for
1: us? I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna single out anybody, but. You know, for years, in in the handbook, the day after Thanksgiving is a holiday, right? You know, in, in our business, it's actually a day that we can technically take off. We don't have to to work on that day. But it's in the middle of football season, and and on several Fridays mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. Thanksgiving over the last several years, it's the day after Washington actually played a game. Right? Like, do you, if you have any sort of understanding of you know commitment and what's best for you, what's best for the the company. You You're at work on Friday, even though technically, according to the handbook, you could take it off. But I think there's maturity in that, too. and I think there's mm-hmm. more sort of life and work uh, experience exposure for people before they start to understand some of that. Although I think a lot of young people get it too. I don't want to discount that all young people don't get it. I think I think there are a lot of young people that would totally understand. No, I got to be at work that day. No, uh, I should be at OTAs because it seems right. to be something that the staff really wants us to be at. Even though technically, according to the handbook, I don't have to be there. Um, Ryan, yeah. Fitz- now,
2: and by the way, everyone yeah. listening, please, like tomorrow when we find find out that his aunt has cancer and he's trying to be home you of know of course i've already, out. I've like, already put it, out that that discipline. we've had to yeah. make a lot of assumptions yeah. Here, yeah.
1: So, yeah well the the uh if there's a legitimate excuse of course right. this conversation is a moot um so at quarterback uh I was very happy that they made a big run at Matt Stafford. Um yeah. uh, I'm also pleased with the, you know, the 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 second prize which is Ryan Fitzpatrick on a one-year deal. What what is your take overall on how they've handled the quarterback situation in this offseason?
2: Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't have I don't really have a, a hot take on this. I thought I was hoping they would get Stafford, too bad they didn't, but it's it's fine that they that they didn't, you know sell the farm for it. And, um, I like you and, uh, and, and optimistic that, uh, Fitzpatrick can, can have a good year here too. I think maybe we're, we're, we're still like overall on Twitter. I think there's a, you know, I mean, it's fine. I'm not going to, I don't begrudge the fans, their excitedness about a guy who likes to sling it and is, is, a you know, will take chances down the field, That should be fun. I hope it will be fun. I think maybe we're over overstating a little bit what he brings to the table. I know his QBR or whatever has been like, uh, you know, top 15 for a couple of years. Hopefully he, he could have a good year. I think we, we we shouldn't forget that it's totally possible he would have a bad year. Um, but it, it was a good move, a good sort of placeholder type move, and it should be a fun offense. Uh,
1: if Aaron Rodgers is legitimately available, um, would you want them to go
2: after him? Yeah, if I if you could convince me or somehow promise me that – he was you know because he's a little mercurial right is that a fair word like if he's all in if he's like i see it i see the vision i'm in with ron i want to go there and and have a tour of destruction for the next three years then I would give almost anything for it. Um, If it's like he ends up here because he just couldn't block it because his contract wouldn't let him and he's, you know, potentially going to retire next year and go live with his actress wife in Hawaii, then, um, you know, I worry a little about that. But if he's all in, I'm all in.
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's a really important part of it. And I think that, you know, that's only something the team can do to sort of get the sense as to whether or not he's going to come in all in ready to, you know, wreck the rest of the league and wreck Green Bay, by the way, who's on the schedule right. um, this year as well. What about Deshaun Watson? If everything gets cleared up?
2: Um, oh boy, it's, it's hard, hard to even like imagine the universe where Let's just everything say in is two weeks, cleared up.
1: Let's say in two yeah. weeks, it, it ended up being a lot less than what it's been portrayed at as, um, you mm-hmm. know, there's some sort of conduct uh, detrimental um you know warning or something but he's not suspended next year and a lot of these things essentially yeah. got chased away by whatever um I'd go you...
2: for it I'd go for it sure yeah he's he's really good and really young I mean and I can I can yeah I can get past it I think he would make them really good for a long time
1: um offensively uh were you surprised at sort of the fan reaction over Morgan Moses being cut
2: um I mean yeah, it was. It was. There was too much, um, too much worrying about it. I was a little, little surprised, but not in the sense that that te- that that tends to be what happens here. Is we collectively overvalue our own, and I think we lose sight a little bit of like what's what's actually good in the right. league. I mean, I think you know he's been here for so long, and I, I do respect the hell out of the fact that he always posts. Um, and so, you know, he's he has been there when they needed him a lot. So he's a very likable guy. He's a fellow Wahoo. Um, I'm glad that they had him. But yeah, it's not a it's really I mean it's a fairly it caught me off guard. I'm not going to say I was I was expecting it, but like this is a fairly I think league-wide a fairly like routine transaction to let go a guy who's, you know, getting up there in years and is not like elite and also has no guaranteed money. I mean, that happens.
1: CBS Sports did this ranking of the top 10 defenses in the NFL projected for 2021 and Washington was number 1. Um Jeez. inflated. <laughs>
2: Uh, or yeah not. I, I think it is i mean i i've i've i have felt all well, even when they were getting super hot last year and the reputation well it just started to outpace what they actually were i mean kevin you remember some some of the games they were truly atrocious last year middle part of last season couldn't stop the run at all no. you know just getting gashed and we're, we're not that far removed from that it's a little premature they've got some really good young players there's a there's ingredients there for something awesome but this no i i mean i guess it would be fair to ask me well if they're not number one who is but i just i don't i don't think of them as a shutdown defense just yet i feel like they're still totally vulnerable to big plays until proven otherwise
1: yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay's got a better defense. Denver's got a better defense. Yeah. Baltimore's got a, a better defense. Right now, I think it's coming. I think it's improving, and I think it, it should take another jump. And we – you know, the addition of Jackson, and we don't know what Davis is, but the addition of Jackson should help. But, yeah, it's 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 definitely um, – it's inflated, but it's talented, and it's better coached. And that yeah, that le- that leads me to this. So we've already talked about Chase Young in the OTAs. Now let's talk about him as a player. Um, does he – is he – Does he have the most upside of any player in recent memory for this franchise? And if we both agree that that's true, which I I, I think you probably would agree with, but I'll let you answer I do, I do. Um, Who's the second best player with the most upside on the team? Because I think they've got several that we could debate. And Mm. we couldn't do that in recent years. And I'm talking about top five
2: at their position upside. Um... Give me two seconds. I don't want to say something dumb. Um, Deron Payne.
1: Yeah, that's my number two also. I think a lot of people would say McLaurin or Sweat. Right. Um, And I don't know what Jackson's going to be in this defense because I think that's the hardest thing. I think offensive line play and secondary play and the fits and how important they are. Um, One guy can look great in one system and look terrible in another. Um, We've seen that in recent years, right? Um, But I'm very intrigued by by Jackson's upside too. But to me, Deron Payne's a physical freak. I just hope he can get consistent and bring it. But I think he's a top five talent at his position. Right. Uh, what's the season going to be? Um, what kind of season do they have?
2: Um, I think that they will. Um, I think they'll go eight and nine, and everyone will be really disappointed. But I think that that could totally. Uh, they could go eight and nine and really still be every bit as, um, you know, uh, upward facing as we've thought so far they are going to i mean at this point it's uh been covered at length but like they they got those um seven regular season wins last year um by facing just some garbage quarterbacks it was huge part i'm sorry like it just was, was a humongous part of what happened 100 percent uh And then conversely this year, they're getting all the studs and it's going to be rough. I'm sorry, but people buckle up. It's going to be rough going. I know. I don't, I mean, schedule game, you're the schedule master. You're the schedule mocker. You would know. I don't usually play the schedule game so hard. I don't think that all the teams that are supposed to be good are necessarily going to be good, but all these quarterbacks are going to be good. And um, they're just, I don't think the window is quite open yet.
1: Yeah, we were on the same page there. I, I hate playing the schedule game, but with these quarterbacks, I don't know that any team's ever faced on it's paper. Like
2: Murderer's Row. The yeah. list of
1: quarterbacks that they're going to face this year. And uh, I'm with you. And I think, it, I think it is a buckle up because I think a lot of people will be disappointed if, you know – I think the... Ron
2: knows it too, and he says it. I mean, he replies it. I mean, yeah. he knows – he, he's not um, – he's very careful not to uh, – he's he's definitely uh, mo- modulating expectations.
1: Yeah, at the same time, you know, he didn't go out and sign a 38-year-old quarterback because he True. didn't think he was going to compete this year. I mean, he, point. Yeah. he signed him because he thinks he's good enough to be – you know, a, a competitor in this division, um, even yeah. though they start off with Herbert, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, uh, Pat Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers um, in five of their first uh, seven games. Um, yeah. And then they get Brady, by the way, two weeks later. Uh, this was fun. <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah. appreciate you doing this. I agree. And, I had no idea what you sounded like until we talked right before the show, um, but we've been texting and and private messaging back and forth um, for, for several years now. Burgundy blog at Burgundy blog on Twitter, um, a real reasonable um, and fearless voice among uh, <laughs> among the group uh, that, you know, uh, of people that fans go to for opinion and information. Uh, I appreciate this. We'll talk soon.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Kevin. See you.
1: All right, that's it for the day. Back tomorrow with Tommy.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger.